0: Come talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and the only place to hear the patented Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, hey, listen, a couple of my friends were talking yesterday. One friend said to the other friend, hey, I bumped into your wife yesterday. And the other guy said, oh, yeah, where? He goes, you know that cafe opposite the Swingers Club? The other guy goes, yeah. I met her opposite that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Goodbye. All right. Um, I didn't uh, get that one when I heard it, so I listened to it again. I still didn't get it. I listened actually to it three times, and then I had to text Duff for an explanation. I said, uh, you got to help me with this, and I'm going to read you exactly what he said. Uh, If the cafe is opposite the Swingers Club and you meet opposite the cafe, where would that put you? At the Swingers Club. He saw his buddy's wife at the Swingers Club, but was trying to be nice. You know my rule here. If you have to explain the joke, then it really wasn't much of a joke to begin with. But Duff McKagan still delivers every single week, even while on the road with Guns N' Roses. Uh, They have a few more dates left in the States, a couple of Mexico, then they're headed down under to Australia and New Zealand in November. I don't know if Duff's going to be able to call in uh, jokes of the week when he's down under. We'll see what his commitment is here to uh, talk as Jericho uh, but they will be rocking, and Fozzie's rocking too on the Save the World tour. The tour has been amazing so far. We'll be in Louisville, Kentucky, with Louder Than Life this Sunday, September 26th, with Judas Priest and Metallica, and then Indianapolis at the Hi-Fi on Monday, the 27th. Tuesday, the 28th, in Harrison, Ohio, at the Blue Note. Uh, Thursday, the 30th, Nashville at Basement East and then Friday in Canton at the Action Building. More dates included, fozzyrock.com. Tickets are getting close to selling out. VIPs, most of them are sold out. But go to Fozzy Rock and find out what is left and come check us out if you can. And then we are headed to Europe uh, starting November 29th. Liverpool, and we've got Newcastle and Bournemouth and Chester. Uh, London will be sold out. Glasgow will be sold out. Newcastle is already sold out. Swansea is sold out. Manchester is sold out. Once again, fozzyrock.com for all ticket and VIP information. And after a couple of delays and reschedule, uh, finally setting sail on October 21st, Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, the triple whammy, we are back, baby. It's been a long time coming, but we're here at last. We just announced yesterday a couple last additions to the lineup, Wardlow, Rebel, Chaos Project, uh, Ashley Dambwa, uh, Aubrey Edwards is going to be there, reffing up a storm, and of course, Kurt Angle, Will Ospreay, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Rock and Roll Express, Bully Ray, Dean Malenko, Orange Cassidy, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, Jamie Hader, Lance Archer, Jake Roberts, Chris Statlander, The Gun Club, Cole Cabana, Will Hobbs, Ricky Starks, Chris Daniels, Sean Spears, Frankie Kazarian, Marco Stunt, so many more. Uh, go check that out at chrisjerichocruise.com. Brad Williams is the guest host along with Bully Ray and Medusa's the guest cruise director, Striper, Quarantine, Rubik's Cube, The Secret Saints, Fozzie, of course, Crobot, Paradise Kitty, Dave Spivak Project, all bringing the rock and roll. We've got Bruce Jingles. We've got Ryan Neemiller. Uh, we've got uh, <laughs> Unprofessional Wrestling. We've got uh, 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 Ryan Nemeth doing some comedy. It's going to be insane. So if you want to go on the vacation of a lifetime, there's still time to get uh, your cabins. Chris Jericho, cruise. Go check that out. Trust me, if three is half as good as two, it's going to be one of the best times ever. And it's going to be even better than two because we're back out on the water, baby. All right. Speaking of baby, Adam Cole is all elite, baby. You hear how it all came together just a couple days before his debut at AEW All Out. It's a great story. And his decision, he really had to think about sign with AEW or sign again with WWE. Adam talks about his four years with NXT, including the Undisputed Era, some of his favorite feuds and matches, and all that he learned from Shawn Michaels. He talks about his relationship with Vince McMahon and Triple H and what ultimately tipped the scales in favor of him signing with AEW. He's also sharing the story behind his name, what inspired the Adam Cole Bay catchphrase, the mad scramble to get his gear in time for the AEW debut. So many great stories. Adam Cole is here now on Talk is Jericho. tell us what happened last week. Yeah. Well,
1: last week there was a bunch of different stuff that went down, you know, between the, the biggest issue by far being the fact that my gear was massively delayed. So what had happened was, is it was supposed to get there at 1030, supposed to arrive at the hotel. Um, and for some reason, the hotel actually denied the gear. Uh, (laughs) So I'm freaking out. Fortunately, I had old stuff, but I didn't want to make my AEW debut with with old gear that I had, so um, we ended up calling the truck, or someone ended up calling the truck, and they said, "Yeah, it'll be here at two o'clock." Um, this is like the
0: FedEx truck or whatever. Yes, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And um, we i am already stressing because we had actually just talked about this. I like to be on time. And
0: call <laughs> yeah, time. just say, like, "Kind of a wrestler are you? You're always on time?" <laughs> right. Jeez, Louise. So we're there at two, and then uh,
1: they tell us it's not on the truck. So I'm like, "Okay, you know, screw it. We just got to get to the building." And uh, me and Britt get into our Uber, and we start driving, and Britt, thank God, she checks her phone, and she goes, oh my God, it just arrived. So we had the Uber stop, and she ran in, and the best part was, Britt said, hey, this package that we've been waiting for that you guys denied, it, it's it's here, so can someone go get it? And the lady said, yeah, you're going to have to wait about three hours until someone can oh go downstairs God. and get it. Oh my gosh! And fortunately, Britt is a little feisty, so so she got it done. <laughs> she got it done, but... My God, yeah. Between that and then, you know, the different interviews and stuff backstage, it was very, very busy. But day.
0: let me just say this: the reason why this new gear was so important, uh, you had to have it. Yes. Because it's you couldn't wear your old gear because it's NXT related, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, and I'm I do think I could have maybe gotten away
1: with it, but to me, that gear was synonymous with you know, my time there in NXT, and I, and I wanted a new fresh thing. You know how important that is. So I would have been really heartbroken if I didn't have my new (laughs) gear for for that night, but fortunately (laughs) it worked out.
0: (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. I've always been a big proponent for when you switch from heel to babyface or vice versa, or especially when you uh, switch companies, there has to be a difference. It can't be the same look or the same vibe Because it's not the same. It's different. Absolutely. It's updated.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's why I was really adamant about... um, I I wore a leather jacket for a very brief time with uh, Ring of Honor in New Japan. And and I never wore one when I was at NXT. So I kind of wanted to go back to that look, but make it a little bit different in that way. So like the other jacket I had was kind of bare bones basic. And this one is a little bit busier with a lot more stuff on it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely wanted to have a new look for for (laughs) such a big night.
0: So... Talking about coming to AEW and yeah. you've been here a very short time, a few weeks. Were you expecting to get this type of reaction from from the fan base itself? Like when you first appeared and all the buzz that's been surrounding you since you came to AEW? Not at all. I mean,
1: I did expect some people to be excited because they know about my history with, you know, the Young Bucks and Kenny, and I'm still friends with those guys to this day. Was my entire time in NXT, and I had heard rumblings about people being really excited, but. Um, but my debut at All Out was the, my favorite night of my wrestling career, just for the reaction. Uh-huh. Like, it was so insane, so, so cool. It's so funny, Any anytime I'm in a situation where I debut, it was the same at NXT, where I surprise debuted there, I'm like, God, I hope people care. And then with All Out, it was that tenfold, because everyone was ex- expecting Brian. Mm. So I'm like, oh, I hope they're not like, ah, mm. oh, crap,
0: we got Adam Cole instead. So, yeah.
1: um, but between that and then my debut against uh, Frankie Kazarian, just the reactions have been unbelievable. It's like, I don't know. I definitely get this this feeling that they're genuinely so happy I'm here. And mm-hmm. and they can tell I'm really happy I'm here too. So it's a it's a really cool thing right Yeah,
0: now. you haven't stopped smiling since you've uh, been here. I can't you know, help it. I'll throw out. Does it surprise you how well you fit in here and how much you're enjoying it? Or did you think there'd be a little bit more of a... Uh, of a feeling out process or?
1: So I was pretty certain that was one thing I was pretty confident with, uh, between getting to meet, you know, everybody here before I'd come sure here. You've been a few times. Yeah. yeah. And just, again, the camaraderie and the vibe here is so positive. Uh, Tony Khan is just contagious when it comes to his passion about wrestling. So I had a good feeling that I was going to fit in well. And fortunately I think I have so far.
0: Cause it's a reunion. Like you said, like I, I wasn't familiar with, with all of the backstory with you and the Bucks and all that sort of stuff because I think when I first started working with them was Japan in 2018 beginning of the uh, beginning of that time from end of 2017 you'd already gone to NXT and I think they were still doing the story where you were a ghost or you were dead and I think they got me to say something about how you killed Adam Cole or something along (laughs) those lines that was I think something that I totally forgot about but yeah you were the ghost on BT
1: right right yeah they um God, I love Matt and Nick so much. Uh, my, my entire time there, every so often, whether it be every few months or whatever, they constantly would make references to me, whether that be through Brit or whether that be the, the ghost thing. And that is uh, just because we did, we formed such a good relationship. Um, over, I've known those guys now for over 10 years. So the fact that they decided on their own to kind of uh, keep my character alive it uh, was, was pretty cool.
0: And tell us what happened on BTE. Why, why are you a ghost or why were you a ghost?
1: Yes. So this was um, the beautiful thing about BTE is, again, we can creatively tell kind of whatever stories we want to, as goofy as they might be. But I was getting ready to go to NXT. Um, I'd already been kicked out of the Bullet Club, but they needed to find a way to write me off of, of being the elite. So the idea was that um, Kenny Omega was in charge of poisoning a monster energy drink. And <laughs> my final scene was me laying on the ground with my tongue out and it said uh adam cole's character on being the elite dead and then with the you know year
0: i was born and oh gotcha that gotcha gotcha yeah, yeah so then you were just a ghost at we that point in right time. right so you were you in one of the original lineups of the bullet club actually i didn't come in until much later just um, through ring of honor or through in, new japan through or? ring of honor okay.
1: that's how it started so again i owe the young bucks um a lot for a lot of things they've done for me in my career and one of those things was the bullet club They had gone to uh, Gato and said, hey, we think Adam Cole would be a perfect fit, especially with Bullet Club USA over in Ring of Honor. Uh, He went for it. So then I had more eyes on me from New Japan at that point, getting to work with Jushin Liger. Uh, He really enjoyed the match. So then I got the chance to go over and do some tours. So uh, predominantly, I worked as a Bullet Club member within Ring of Honor. But I still did have the chance. I'd say I did about eight tours of, of New Japan in, in Bullet Club. Did you get
0: the New Japan gig because you were in the Bullet Club USA, or, or you were already working New Japan?
1: So I had I had done one New Japan show gotcha. prior to that, and then there was kind of a, a long, I think like a year period where I didn't go back. And then once I did join Bullet Club, then there were multiple tours I was going on because of that. Is that so right? yeah,
0: yeah. So so you always had that relationship with those guys. Mm-hmm and you're in nxt yeah when you first started hearing about the rumors of aew what did you guys think like what was your thoughts of like oh sure another guy is gonna try and start a company were you all for it were you kind of a little hesitant what did you think
1: uh, i was so excited yeah. um b- because again uh because of my relationship with, with matt and nick i knew how serious this was gonna be i i knew between the roster that started coming out with that big press conference and you're there mm. and and Pac is there and the Bucks and Kenny. I'm like, this is gonna be really special. And, and you could feel again the energy and the vibe, not just in person when the fans were there, but you know, in this day and age with social media, it is really important. And the social media buzz around AEW was so strong. So so strong. And then when the the first, you know, couple shows started happening, I'm like, this is great. It was like a a real true alternative that was just knocking it out of the park every time. So I was actually, even before the first few shows, I I was very confident it was going to do well. I don't know if anyone expected it to blow up in the way that it has. It's just like, it's so cool to watch. And it's so, so awesome. And and now that we're here, I'm excited to see where AEW is even going to be like a year from now or two years from now
0: let's talk about your journey because i obviously yeah. have a huge uh, history in nxt that i want to discuss as well but you came here i know that they obviously wanted to keep you and you had kind of some mixed feelings about leaving yeah. all these sort of things what kind of started your mindset even to thinking that maybe i should give aw a try and then what finally made you come here
1: yeah yeah so Naturally, I've always been curious or excited at the idea of working for AEW between the roster. The fans really are, I I don't mean to sound cliche, but the fans are the best fans in the world. Just when when you watch the shows, you can tell too. So I think about all these different cool matches I could have, how much I get along with everybody. So I was always interested there. But then when it came time to make the decision, which again kind of fell into my lap, uh, I was expecting... To have this conversation in December but all of a sudden
0: everyone thought that your contract ended in December including you including me so how yeah. did nobody know that it really ended in June or whatever it was?
1: right so the, and here's the strangest part so um you know me and another guy who I won't name just in case but we signed uh extensions virtually at the same time and his was up in December and uh so I thought mine was as well but it was a totally different case where it was another contract or it ended earlier. Like, I don't understand how that works, but uh, I was surprised, very surprised. How did you end
0: up finding out that your contract was over? And- so uh, they talked
1: to me a few days prior to my contract expiring. Like literally it was like four days until my deal was up. And they asked me if I'd be interested in signing an extension, which to me was a no brainer because I was in the middle of a, a feud with Kyle O'Reilly, who's right. one of my best friends. So I'm like, cool. Yeah, at the very least, I'll, I'll do this something. and finish that, you know, with him. So, yeah, just crazy. But as, as far as actually deciding where I wanted to go, it's kind of a really boring story. But it was it was like one in the morning and Britt's asleep and I'm laying there in the dark just thinking like pros and cons of WWE, AEW. And when I started thinking about going to AEW, I felt like a nine year old kid, like I had butterflies in my stomach and I was so excited, so jazzed up, and I'm like, I'm 32. This is, uh, if this isn't the world or my heart or my soul telling me that's what I'm supposed to do, that's what I'm supposed to do. So, mm. yeah, it, it was me by myself, no music, no movie, no nothing in the dark. Everyone's asleep, and I was like, I, I have to go to AEW. You literally
0: followed your gut. Yeah, you followed your heart. Yeah. Right. Was Was it hard to tell? Because the idea and we can talk about this is that they were going to give you finally bring you up to the main roster. I mean, yes. is that what they were telling you? Kind of because you had been in NXT for uh, four years, four years, yeah, and never once really gone to the main roster, right? So right. now that your deal is up, were you saying to them, "You got to bring me up"? Were they going to just do it anyways? Kind of talk about those conversations. Yeah,
1: yeah, no. So that that was the pitch from the gate where they. I did have a meeting with with Vince. Uh, that went really well. It was like a thirty-minute combo,
0: which was cool. Is that the first time you ever had a real long conversation with him?
1: I've I've only talked to him for maybe like two or three minutes prior to that. It yeah. was after uh, I got to work the Survivor Series event, and he wanted to talk to us afterwards. He was really happy with the with the match. So, but no real conversation with him before. So that was that was the first time, and it was uh, it was really cool. Again, he was he was very complimentary, very nice. But yeah, the idea was for me to go to Raw or SmackDown and not stay within NXT just because i mean again i had been there for so long and, and i think they knew as much as i do love nxt i i was ready to you know if if i stayed in wwe to take that step of going yeah you had done roller everything smackdown. you could
0: do in nxt right. tenfold at that point
1: right exactly so but yeah yeah that was kind of the the gist of the conversation so it was definitely to to move me up to roller smackdown
0: and was there any plans discussed about what you would do on or smackdown
1: yeah so it, it was funny is there was like Apparently, there were a lot of ideas, but they were very vague on on what exactly they wanted to do. Like, um, I mean, there was discussion again. Well, this is interesting, too, because I remember when I first had the conversation, they had mentioned something about, you know, uh, maybe we'll do a name change or or, uh, maybe we'll change your look a little bit. So that scared me a little bit just because I'd spent nearly 14 years, you know, as Adam Cole. And then our, our latest conversation, they were definitely more open to me. Being me and being myself and stuff like that but yeah they could tell i was not too thrilled about the idea did you kind of
0: see that as a red flag in a way yeah the fact i mean like you said well maybe we'll change your name and your look and it's like you pretty much know like you said my name value is 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 been made Mm -hmm. even huge to a certain degree and you look the way you look as the star that you are Right, right, right. So yeah. did you see that as kind of like a warning, maybe in a way? Or?
1: Yeah, it was. It was definitely something that made me a little bit more timid uh, about maybe uh, pulling the trigger on that one. And and again, you know, of course they could not have been nicer. But when I think about me and and my career and what is best for me, the idea of that being an option did scare me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where I was like, okay, so you know, what if I do go and then something happens anyway? Because right. at that point I can't really say or, or do anything. So. Yeah, it was absolutely red flag is the perfect way to put it.
0: Because another thing that came out, so that they, you might have uh, been used as Keith Lee's manager, right, something right. along those lines. Yeah. Like whenever I hear those types of things, you know, like where there's smoke, there's fire. Somebody must be suggesting it. Well, let's just put him as a manager, and it's like you don't have to say anything, but I will. Yeah. Sometimes they they get certain ideas in their head, and it's like you're not seeing the draw of this guy. You know, and you don't have to change a thing except for mm-hmm. change the show that he's on and the rest will fall into place.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That. Yeah, that's um. God. So many times, like you said, you don't even necessarily have to change a thing. But if you change the atmosphere that they're in and the mm-hmm. people that they're working with, then it then it feels fresh. And then people would be more
0: excited. More. Adam Cole is here, former NXT champion. Oh, my gosh. Make it a big deal. Yay.
1: Right. 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 Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I, I understand where they're coming from to some extent, but I feel like a big part of what has made me work is, you know, I'm not six foot three and I'm not, you know, 285 pounds. So like the Adam Cole baby and, and the boom and all that stuff is, is such a big part of, of what I do and how I connect with the audience, aside from the wrestling and the promos and stuff like that. So I, I feel like it would have been quite the challenge if that would have happened as far as the name change goes and stuff like that to kind of, you know, build myself back up.
0: So. And, th- and that's the thing, like your, your size, like you mentioned, not being the biggest guy, it's only an issue when it's brought up. Other than that, no one even notices, cares, whatever. Exactly. You have the same mindset that I had when I first started. I might not be the biggest guy, but I'll have the biggest personality and, mm-hmm. and connect with the fans the most. And that's what wrestling is all about. Right. If you make it something, then it'll be something. If you don't even, worry about it like you have been done done such a great job either way that's kind of another wwe type thing right which is that leads me to another thing i want to ask you about uh and then we'll go into some of the great stuff that you did nxt because i want to talk about that too but the way that nxt has been rebranded over the Mm -hmm. last few weeks of nxt 2.0 and it's been a complete change as to what nxt is um why do you think this rebranding has happened uh, and do you think it has something to do with the fact that a W quote unquote beat NXT in the Wednesday wars?
1: Right. Right. So again, this is all me guessing. Yeah, because, sure. Uh, we're but discussing yeah. it. I think for sure that played a part in it. Absolutely. And, and then, um, I also understand the thought process of, cause there were so many guys in NXT who were presented a certain way and then they would go to raw or SmackDown and it was a complete one. Big time. Total change. Um, So I also see the standpoint, if I am Vince McMahon and him looking at NXT as this breeding ground for guys on Raw or SmackDown, that he kind of wants his his hands in it a little bit more and he wants, you know, bigger guys and stuff like that. Not saying that everyone's going to be big, uh, but, you know, more guys who are geared to be ready to go for for Raw and SmackDown. So I understand that because when I was there at NXT, it was treated as a third brand. It was, you know... uh, we had again we got on television because of it we had that big month uh survivor series month which was really cool and it was the more athletic you know pro wrestling storytelling pro wrestling style so I, yeah i think them going back to this certainly AEW has to play a factor in in my mind it just has to but i do think even more importantly it's to make sure that they don't have to change a thing about guys uh, whether yeah. they're in NXT now at least that's
0: what it seems like to me what i think it is and once again you know i can say this just from observing sure. is that NXT was put on Wednesday nights. Obviously that's to combat AEW and we'll wipe out this, what was the word, this piss ant little company right away. Problem is they had no idea what they were dealing with. It, it, it really backfired on them to where NXT. Remember how cool, of course I don't have to tell you NXT was so cool. Yeah, You guys would go do your week pay-per-view weekend shows and get three times the reaction In a sold-out arena than the pay-per-view would get. Right. So then when they put NXT up against AEW, it really hurt the brand to where you lost the cool factor. Yeah. And AEW was the cool one. NXT just got steamrolled on that. And I think as a result, Vince kind of holds a grudge against NXT. You had the chance to beat AEW and you didn't. Now I'm going to take over and I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. Does yeah. that, is that, do you feel that at all
1: i, I think that's definitely yeah. a possibility is what it could be because like you had mentioned too about nxt being i mean it, at one phase um at you know prior to, to aew nxt really did feel like the cool it brand. was and yeah the cool like like you said it would be we would do a takeover and it'd be again sold out like fourteen thousand but you know thirteen thousand people. With just a crowd, just rocking, just all night. It reminds me a ton of how AEW.
0: Everybody is over at the time. Yeah,
1: everyone. They're just there for you know every single match, every single false finish, and then yeah, it it, stuff kind of changed obviously when when AEW arrived and AEW became the true alternative and and things like that. So yeah, again, I, I think without question, you know, the changes within NXT or the changes in general within WWE. AEW has to play a factor sure to some does. extent. Yeah.
0: yeah. You mentioned NXT uh, being the place to be. Yeah. It's interesting because I remember going to Japan and working with, actually, with Finn Balor Yeah. and with uh, the next year's with, with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura. Mm. And they were both in NXT at the time. And both times I came back to the States, we went right to Raw, and I had a meeting with Vince. I'm like, dude, get this Finn Balor here. Yeah. The next year, get this Nakamura here. He's like, does he speak English? I'm like, yes, he speaks English. And he's like, Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson, his personality is amazing. Such a star. Why are you, and and once again, I'm working in the WWE main main roster. This is not a cut down to anybody, but why do you have these guys? Because at the time, kind of in the the lower league, minor league, third division sort Mm -hmm. of thing, bring them up here. But a lot of guys didn't want to come up here because they were happy being there and doing all the stuff that you guys were doing, like yeah, you said.
1: Right, right. Because that is that, that is so true. Because at the end of the day, I, I got into this, and I, I know you did too, I'm, I'm sure. It's just, it's such a great time. You just want to have fun. Mm. And uh, my God, getting the chance at NXT to go out there and go, yeah, you guys got 30 minutes, go nuts uh, in front of a really, really rocking crowd. Yeah. Uh, that feeling afterwards was the best. And and I will say this, too, because another really cool thing, aside from the fans being so great, was, uh, God, the locker room, the producers, everyone got along so well. Because I had heard horror stories before about the certain things that can go down in locker rooms at raw and smackdown more so years and years ago but in in nxt that never existed like everyone got along everyone would be waiting for the uh the other person to come through and go oh man you killed it we're gonna try to top that
0: Ah. it was just such a
1: cool it was all i really did the four years i was there i had a i had a blast and and i understand why people didn't want to leave it was really special
0: because you guys, they kind of took care of you guys as far as traveling together, yeah. like on buses and that sort of thing as well, right?
1: Right, right. Yeah, yeah we would, um, they took care of the hotels. We would all get on a bus. Those were other really fun trips is we would do television on Wednesday and then we'd fly out the next morning. And we would do you know, house shows on the road Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to like, you know, pretty packed. Uh, audiences, which was really, really fun. Because you
0: were starting to do television around the country, right? It wasn't just based in Florida or no, was it mostly based in Florida? Actually, we always did television in Florida at full sale.
1: Gotcha. Actually, yeah. yeah. How
0: shows would be spread around? Yeah. yeah. Live events?
1: We got to travel a lot on the road then. And those were always... God, they were the most fun. Because, again, it's fans who only get to see you you know, once a year for NXT anyway. Because we didn't travel near as much as as Raw SmackDown did. But when we did, they took great care of us. Again, the whole crew on the bus. It was great times. It's like
0: being in Japan or something like that, right? Right, right. Because normally people have to travel on their own. They have to rent a car. And and another thing that we don't have to worry here in AEW, which is tremendous, I never want to rent another and rent-a-car ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Right. How was it for you guys when you mentioned it kind of in passing, but I'm trying to honestly think of a guy who was really big in NXT that came to WWE and had that same sort of success. And I really can't. Even, uh, even a guy like Samoa Joe never really reached the full potential that I thought, which was WWE champion. I thought he had it written all over oh, him. Oh, yeah. You know, and then you look at Finn. I know Finn won the title briefly, then he got hurt. But same thing with him. He just became a guy. And and you look at Keith Lee now and and Cross. It's just there's nothing happening for these guys. How was it for you as kind of one of the NXT locker room leaders, I'm assuming, because yeah. you were there so long and d- doing such a great job, was it hard to kind of see your guys go and like, Oh shit. Like how do you fuck up ricochet for example? Right. And it's just nothing there.
1: Right. Right. So for me, a big thing for me, cause a lot of these guys would still come around and, and hang out and stuff too. Yeah. And to me, it came down to if they were happy or not. So mm-hmm. like there were some guys who, uh, you know, they would go up and maybe they didn't do exactly what they did in NXT, but they were, you know, making more money and they were having a great time and all that stuff. So, at that point, if, if you're happy, then I'm happy. Right. for you. But yeah, but for, for people who had a, a run in NXT and then stuff completely changed on Raw or SmackDown and they were bummed about it, of course that bummed me out for them. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, you know, over time, they've learned to adapt. Over time, they've learned that maybe you know, it might start out this way, but then eventually stuff will change for me. And I hope that's the case for a lot of those guys. Mm-hmm. I, I hope that you know Raw and SmackDown is going to turn into everything they ever wanted, so only time will tell, though.
0: Let's talk about the Undisputed Era and some of the great classics things that you guys did. Was mm. Obviously, it was you and Kyle and Bobby Fish and... Roderick Strong. Roderick, yeah. you guys all knew each other from Ring of Honor oh, yeah. years. So did you all come into NXT together or within around the same time frame?
1: So um, this is crazy. Before I go into this, this is the first time since 2009 that I've not been in the same company as Kyle O'Reilly. Really? That's how long I've from, worked
0: with. From where?
1: Uh, so from uh, Dragon Gate USA is, is where we started, where we had our first like, internet breakout match, and then we both got signed to Ring of Honor at the exact same time. But they had no clue what they wanted to do with us. Right. Like, no. So they go, oh, just throw them together as a tag team. Oh, yeah. And then we teamed for a while and feuded all that stuff. But. What was your name as a team, the two you guys? Future Shock. That's right. Was yeah. the name. Yeah. Future yeah. Future Shock. Yeah. So uh, when, it, when it came time to, you know, I knew I was going to finish up at Ring of Honor and, and Kyle had finished up a couple months prior. Yeah. They, they came to us actually and said, hey, we're going to put you, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish together as a group. And I called Kyle. I'm like, can you believe this? Like it's just constantly together, <laughs> right. Like which I was stoked about so me Kyle and Bobby all debuted the same night And then um, I'd say about five months six months later We added Roderick strong to the group and uh, we had all talked too, and we're like of anybody to join the group with us He is the perfect fit uh, And I really felt like that's when the undisputed era kind of came into its own when it was all four of us and it was so easy because we all four are, are still really close friends. Like I talked to those guys every single day. So I, I think that translated on television because you could tell we were having fun and, and you know, enjoying working together. But I had the time of my life with those guys. Just again, unbelievable talents, even better friends. It was a blast. It was really cool. There's
0: nothing better than working with your friends, exactly. right? Exactly. Did you ever turn on each other and work against each other as well? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So the the tail end of my NXT run, I turned on on Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong. Bobby Fish was injured at the time. But yeah, actually my final feud and my, you know, my final amount of matches in NXT were, were with Kyle O'Reilly. So it was very poetic.
0: It was like the perfect way to end my run there. Bobby Fish is one of my favorite names ever. Right. I love the fact his last name is Fish. I think I met him in Tokyo at a at a, at a hotel when we were over there with WWE, and I was like, dude, you have the best name ever. <laughs> right. It is. You know, it's interesting because when uh, we had our Blood and Guts War Games match, I watched your uh, War Games match oh, cool. just to try and get some ideas of a modern-day version. You know, you can watch the ones from the 80s, which is one mindset. Yeah. Then I watched your guys' version great job great match was it cool for you guys to be involved in that kind of tell us uh, a little bit about the whole bringing back war games for nxt yeah because they originally just so you know a little little tidbit hell in a no i'm sorry not hell a, elimination chamber was originally going to be war games but vince didn't want to do war games because he said it was too wcw oh. so then we created our own hunter always wanted to do the war games and then he brings it to nxt and there you go so kind of tell us how that all came about yeah and and, and so did it
1: that was so awesome because i actually just arrived in nxt so my first appearance there was at a takeover the next takeover was the first War games so it was thrown right into the fire there but um man i was so pumped again i was such a fan of those matches and watching those matches and then thinking about you know, the way to exactly what you said, how to modernize it in some ways was really interesting. And I liked that so far in NXT, I've been and the Undisputed Era has been in every single War Games match. So it's been it's been cool and challenging to make it you know a little bit different. different every time. But there is this I don't know. And I felt this way every single time where like right before the match starts, the sirens go off and, you know, the cage is lowering and getting set up. And just the buzz in the arena was always a little bit different. Like they were like, "Oh, we're gonna see some violence." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I am terrified of heights, so so the fact that I've somehow ended up getting thrown off the top every single one. <laughs>
0: It was a little disheartening. You guys just had one recently over the last year or so, right? Oh, yes.
1: I I did not go off the top of that
0: one. one, There was a finish that you took off something that I saw through a table with a thing. It was crazy. Oh,
1: that was the one two years ago. I think the one you're thinking of is uh, Tommaso Ciampa had given me an air raid crash. That's the one. Off the top. Uh, And then funny enough, less than 24 hours later, I wrestled Pete Dunne at Survivor Series for the NXT title. So that was just a (laughs) crazy week. Crazy. I had done Raw, NXT, and SmackDown that week. It was awesome but yeah w- real quick about the heights thing so I would I always made myself climb up to the top of it before the show and Chris everyone would laugh at me because I would f- I physically would shake my legs would shake <laughs> but then when you're out there and you're doing it uh, then I was fine and it was okay you but, just gotta go for it Yeah, just gotta right? go for it just gotta go how for how it how
0: involved was was Hunter in, in those matches like you mentioned the producers like who were the producers at NXT
1: yeah so um so Shawn Michaels worked with me a ton from start. Sean
0: came in a couple years after you'd been there, right? Or was he there the whole time?
1: He was actually there the whole time. Gotcha. I think he had actually just come in maybe the year prior before I got there. So he's always been hands-on with with helping me or just listening. Sean's really, really great about kind of letting you come up with what you want to come up with. And, you know, as you run it by him, he'll randomly just throw in this little thing that's like brilliant and yeah. you're like oh my god yeah, that's yeah. so much better <laughs> yeah. so he, he's the what best. he does yeah. yep yep uh hunter was great as well um as far as you know wanting certain ideas or approaches to things but producer wise it was mostly sean or terry taylor uh was there a lot and matt bloom uh as well but I, i've gotten to work with you know, Steve Carino, Scotty Tuhati,
0: Norman, you know, all those guys. All, all there, those guys. Yeah. yeah, Basically, the guys that are at the per, the performance center yes. are kind of helping in as well. Right. Let's talk a little bit more about Sean. I mean, it yeah. seems I can see that he would take a liking. You guys physically look very similar. Yeah. Obviously, he knows kind of coming to the business as a, as a smaller guy, quote unquote. So tell me some of the advice that, that he gave you and how he how he helped you out over yeah. the years.
1: Well, again, and I won't because I know I've, I've, I've beaten this to death at this point, but like – one of the highlights, maybe the highlight of the four years I was there, was building a relationship with him. Like, we still talk to this day. That's cool, yeah. Um, he is just, he's been so giving and in- incredibly insightful on so many different things. But I'd say the biggest one that he taught me was cadence and like learning how to ride the audience and get them to peak at a certain time and then when to settle down, when to speed up, when to slow down. It was all stuff. Because, you know, on the independence and stuff, we had a formula of what we would do. And if it was a double down and the crowd uh, was up or they weren't up, we would lay there because it was supposed to be the double down. But Sean was so good at at teaching me how to listen to the audience and when to go fast and when to go go slow to create the most roller coaster ride possible. And it was something I didn't even think of. Mm -hmm. And I'd been wrestling for, you know, 10 years at that point. so. It sounds like a small thing. I know that you're very aware of how important that is, but he, he really, really helped me understand. You know, it's funny
0: because I learned that, especially talking about a double down yeah. from him. We, were, we we even were working some house shows. And I think it was like in Chile or something like that. And he said, you know, you're going too fast on the, on the, on the false finishes. You got to sell a little bit longer. Don't move until I tell you. And this is like 19 years in for me or something like yeah. that, 18 years in. And I'm like, okay. And we did something and There was a double down and I hate counts on the double down. I hate it because I feel that people are just paying attention to counting rather than building. And I just remember just he's like, don't move until I tell you. And the crowd came up and then they went down and then they came up and then they went down and then they came super up. He's like, "Okay, start moving. And I was like, yeah, just waiting and doing nothing. Was really something that I never really thought about because to me, a false finish is you got to hit and bump and go and move and move and move. But you also have to give everybody time to digest it. And the more time you can do that, the better the reaction is. And a lot of people to this day in our company never do that. And it's, it's a real lost art because you're afraid of like, what if the crowd doesn't come back? Well, the 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 secret special advice is they always come back yeah. if you do it right. Yeah. So that's a Sean thing that I always remember him talking about. You know, it's like, he's so right about that. I never thought about it either.
1: It's so true. Yeah, because I, I can't tell you how many scenarios I've been on, you know, takeover events with him there when he had talked about, again, laying out for a certain amount of time. And again, same thing. It would be like a... Oh, that was cool! And they would cheer, and then they would kind of come down. And then it was like they registered what they just saw. They registered that we're thirty minutes in, and then, like you said, they it, you know, even more and more and more. Mm-hmm. So it is. You're right. So important to get the most out of the stuff that you're doing.
0: Did you uh, have a lot of interactions with Regal, or uh, is he more of just the on-camera performer at this I, point?
1: I did. I did. I had, I had a lot of. Uh, actually, uh, Regal was one of the guys who was involved in getting me hired.
0: Yeah, talk about that, because I know he was he kind of a scout or how did he do that?
1: Yeah. So he was at um, uh, PWG has this really big tournament every year called the Battle of Los Angeles. Right. And uh, and he was there and he had talked to me quite a bit after the match talking about, you know, NXT and, and the plans and stuff like that. And just to keep an eye out and, you know, make sure my phone is on me and the email and stuff. Right. And, right, right. So um, clearly he he definitely must have gone back and suggested to Hunter or, or somebody, hey, we should hire this guy and yeah he was there all the time we used to talk quite a bit whether it be just catching up about life or whatever but yeah he's always been he's always been incredible to me let's
0: talk about some of your classic uh, matches in nxt who were some of your favorite opponents to work with yeah
1: so uh johnny gargano is up there we had a trilogy of matches that that a lot of people still look at as like the the series of the greatest you know nxt matches of all time which is really cool um And the coolest thing about that is we were kind of in a tough spot too because Johnny was in the middle of this really epic feud in NXT with Tommaso Ciampa. And they were supposed to have their final blow-off at this WrestleMania weekend takeover. And and Tommaso needed neck surgery. Mm. So they're scrambling for a replacement. And uh, I hadn't even challenged for the NXT title at that point. And they go, oh, let's do Adam Cole and and Gargano. We have three weeks to build this thing. Yeah. Uh, So I'm like, oh, great. I have to replace the... uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the blow off of the best feud in NXT history. But but fortunately the fans were great. And then uh we did two more matches after that. So he is um he is so so talented, so good. Again, a guy I've known for a long time.
0: He's kind of in the same position that you were in now, uh, now, where he just has been there for so long. Right. Will he ever get the chance to go up to the main roster? You yeah. Know? Especially now with the new 2.0 NXT. Where does that leave Tommaso and Gargano and those guys and Kyle? Sure.
1: It, it, that, and that's the thing too, is I hope. No matter what happens, because now I know that Tommaso is the NXT champion, which is great. But I do, I do hope, and I'm, I'm assuming this is the route they'll go. Is I do think those guys are going to be fine because they are such cornerstones of the brand. And on top of that, if they really do want to help these new, young, yeah, talented is, yeah. guys, that you ha- you need guys like Tommaso and Gargano and O'Reilly to to be there. So, but yeah, yeah. Fortunately, like I said. NXT does have guys like Tommaso, Johnny, and Kyle to be able to teach that young generation, which is vital, vital.
0: How was it for you, like, with with Britt being here, and obviously you guys are are dating together, was it, because you never know for sure, like, even just sending a text, actually, you know, if I text somebody over there sometimes you always kind of think, like, well, I hope they don't take this the wrong way. Was it weird for her to come to an NXT show? So
1: I I never found it strange, and I know she didn't find it strange either. Um, and actually, they were incredibly welcoming to her. Like uh, no one was ever rude to her or mean to her or anything like that. Everyone was. Everyone knows her too, so everyone was pumped to see right. her. So it was it was very similar in the sense of again when I would come here and, and meet all of you guys and say hello. everyone's so incredibly welcoming, and NXT was the same uh, with her. So we we are just so adamant about supporting each other that. You know, company lines and stuff doesn't like that matter, doesn't right? even matter. Yeah, yeah I, I want to be there for her, and, and she wants to be there for
0: There's me. There's that great moment where they uh, <laughs> <laughs> film the concerned fan. It yeah. like they, but it's it's Brit with the big uh, close-up, and they they claim they didn't know it was her. Right, right.
1: <laughs> so hard for me to believe. So hard for me to believe. And
0: what bump did you just take? Is that the one th- from the table? Or? That yeah, that was the, the uh, Chompa? crazy champa yeah. bump
1: off, off the top. And and the best <laughs> the best part was though is that was. Genuine concern on Britt's face, which was made me feel terrible. I was like, "I'm fine. I promise. I promise." But,
0: how how is it for you? Because uh, obviously, with the pandemic and, and and working basically in the PC, how was that? Because it was, it, I really noticed it for NXT. because yeah. WWE did transfer to the Thunderdome and they they upgraded that. Even at WrestleMania, they had people. Yeah. It never gave NXT that uh, benefit.
1: Yeah. So so early on, wrestling in front of literally nobody, like like a bunch of people had done, um, right. that was pretty brutal. Um, you never realized, or I, I did, and that just really sent it home, how important the fans are, especially the NXT fans who are a little bit rowdier. So not wrestling in front of anyone was rough. However, when it, when it did get to a point even... Where we had like fifty people, like fifty real fans on the floor with some screens. Honest to God, I would take that over no fans at all and just screens. Of course. So that I was thankful for. Yeah. Uh, but but my God, all of us really really missed those packed takeover shows. You know, that was
0: that was the cornerstone of NXT. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I, to me, that was what made NXT so special. Was yeah. was those shows. So
0: I I kind of have a feeling, if those shows were still able to be put on that it might have not affected the you know quote-unquote wrestling war but i think it would have benefited nxt huge to be able to focus on that and probably would have helped the the ratings and all that sort of thing too
1: oh my god absolutely just strictly from perception you yeah. know to, to for for nxt guys to be in big venues as well with a super hot rowdy crowd right. automatically it's like oh this is this is Cause really you could special. tell
0: because that was one of the things when 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 it first started, is that AEW was doing arenas with five, six, seven thousand people, and you guys were doing the full sale of the PC with two hundred people. It looked, it looked like freaking you know studio wrestling versus arena wrestling, which is what it was.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. Again, when you when you look at um, when you look at the set and everything, like here is an example: is my my mom is she supports me and she's not a huge wrestling fan. She doesn't watch it on her own. But uh, same thing. She had watched um, AEW before, and she talked about, because she doesn't know any better, she's like, AEW really looks like WWE, just because of the arena size, because she's yeah. used to seeing me wrestle right. at uh, at NXT. So, yeah, again, perception-wise, even to a casual viewer, uh, of
0: course, AEW seemed big time, and it is. How was that for you guys when you were told that you're going Wednesdays you know, head-to-head with AEW and getting on national tv because before that nxt was just on the WWE network right? Yeah, yeah right
1: right exactly so i was stoked and and, and me and brit, brit gives me a hard time all the time but it is it is really true like if stuff like that is exciting but i've always been someone who's just focused on my own thing like i was like i thought it was really cool that this idea of it going you know back and forth but to me. It didn't super affect me if you know we did we had a good rating or a really bad one. I was like, okay, I just want to make my matches as, as good as possible or my promo as good as possible. But the idea of wrestling again being at a point where there's two shows on at the exact same time, just because of how excited the fans were, and then of course too, like inside you're like, okay, we want to try to have a better show. Of course, yeah. so in, in that sense, so it was it was really really cool. It was awesome
0: because you know you can say it, and, and we were more concerned with like you said, just our show and doing what we're doing. But exactly. every day, uh, every Thursday, you'd go check those ratings and see what it was at, yep. and it was. Yep. It, we got into it. Was yeah. it the same
1: for you? Oh no, it's it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. So like if uh, yeah, if there would be a, a segment or a match that we did that that did a really good rating i would be really excited and stuff like that so for sure it's it's just cool i've never been in my 13 and a half year career i'd never been in a situation where it was like oh yeah let's check and and see how many people watched it (laughs) what do people like what do they not like when do they you know turn off or change the channel or whatever so it's cool to look at it that way
0: what uh, where did you start wrestling where'd you train
1: so I started wrestling in uh, CZW. It was called Combat Zone Wrestling.
0: Isn't that kind of a the death match? It is. company now. Yeah. 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 Well, Mox
1: was there. And right. Right. Yeah.
0: Gage. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yep. So um, I never did any death matches. Uh, but I was a student from that academy. Where are you from? Uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, so Amish country.
0: Home of the Chameleon Club. It, right, yes. Looks they've closed yeah. it now. Yes, it's I know. Drag. It's a drag. One so of my favorite sad. venues to play. We were supposed to play it on this tour, but then it closed. Because oh. you're from Lancaster, yes. Amish and I've country. been to the Chameleon Co- uh, Club a million times. Yeah, great yeah. place. Yeah. So you trained there, Are you trained with CCW, and yes. that's where you kind of started out.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I, funny enough, I would, um, I'd go to a ton of shows, you know, WWE shows, independent shows ring of honor shows and i went to a czw show and uh the head trainer his name was dj hyde he was out there and i said uh i built up the courage to tell him i wanted to be a wrestler uh someday i said when i graduate high school i'm gonna start training and he goes just look me right in the eye and he went why don't you want to train right now because i was still a senior in high school yeah. and i said uh well you know, i'm not sure if i have the money you know right now and he goes oh no it's in payments like you don't have to pay it all up front <laughs> So he wanted to hook you. yeah, and he did. The the next week I started training. So I would go, you know, go to class for high school and then drive to Philadelphia, an hour 45, 2 hours, train, get the snot beat out of me and then drive back and do it all over again. But I I loved it. I loved it. So When was
0: your first kind of break into the scene then?
1: Yeah. So I'd say the biggest thing and at, at the time CZW was a more known independent so that really helped. But uh, funny enough, the first time I had a match that got any sort of buzz where i started getting book uh bookings was the day that i met and wrestled kyle o'reilly for the first time so we were on a dragon Gate usa show it was the pre-show for gabe sapolsky and we had six minutes and it was just go out and have this match it was in the ecw arena and it was one of those where the fans were really into it uh first match i had where the fans were super into it so i was all excited um but yeah that was that was my first real break where then you know i started doing pre-show matches for for ring of honor and stuff which I don't. I don't know if I've told this story, but I actually did pre-show matches for Ring of Honor for like a year and a half, and I would go non televised yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I would go and I would do the match and I would get to the back and Adam Pierce was there and um, uh, Carrie Silkin, and um, they would say, Yeah, yeah, great job. You know, keep it up. And it happened for like a year and a half. I'm like, I need to try something. <laughs> so I sent Adam Pierce a promo, and he said, Hey, uh, we want you. We want to book you for before the show, but we want you to cut a promo instead. So then I went out and cut a promo and Jim Cornette was there. And uh, Jim Cornette really liked it. And that ended up getting me a contract in Ring of Honor. So it wasn't even a match. It was, it was actually- You're talking. A, it was which the, is what it was we were talking
0: about before, right?
1: Yeah, right, right. How did you get the name Adam Cole? So I was going to be named Cole uh, by my parents up until like two days before. Then they decided to change it to Austin. Uh-huh. So I thought that was kind of a cool backstory. And the only reason I picked Adam instead of Austin was there so many Austins, oh, you know, Stone Cold Steve, Steve Austin, Austin, yeah. Austin Idol, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> so I was like, I was like, I got to pick a different name. Yeah, I got to yeah. pick a different name. So yeah,
0: that that was it. It's funny when you first came over, uh, uh my wife was like, how was the show? I was like, Oh, it's great. You know, Brian Danis came over and Adam Cole and she's like, your mom doesn't really know. She knows wrestling, but doesn't watch. She's like yeah. the announcer guy. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> Michael Cole. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So as we start to wind down, what were some of the big differences that you noticed in AEW when you first came in to the locker room and when you first started visiting and even now that you're here as a full-time performer? So aside from,
1: again, because at NXT it was the same thing, everyone gets along, all that stuff, the biggest thing by far is the freedom. And uh, what I mean by that, because again, even in NXT towards the end with promos and stuff, they would never write me a promo, but I had bullet points that they really wanted me to hit here it's just like with promo wise or or anything it feels like there is a lot of potential to kind of say what you want to say in your promo uh, and and wrestle how you want to wrestle in your match i mean of course we want to fit the story and things like that it's not like you can go rogue or anything right but a ton of freedom and a ton of options to kind of deliver what you want to deliver and i think that's so cool because it does force you to try different things and learn different things so that that to me was was the biggest thing is the amount of freedom you have both on the microphone and in the ring.
0: What were your conversations with Tony like when you started deciding to come here?
1: Yeah, yeah. So they were great. I you know, I had met Tony a couple times previously at, at the New Year's Eve party or just said hello and things like that. But I you know, getting the chance to actually talk wrestling with him was was really, really cool. When we spoke, we spoke for four hours on the phone. Wow. Um, and just about everything about you know, older matches and the excitement about coming here and everything. So, and again, this was only a couple days before the pay-per-view. So it, it happened all super last minute, but again, I've said this before about him and his love and passion for pro wrestling is so contagious. I already love it so much, but hearing how excited he gets is is so, so cool. You can tell, um, in every sense of the word, his heart and soul is completely in this thing. Mm -hmm. So it's cool. He's a great guy. So
0: you, you, decided to come here only days before the pay-per-view days before wow days before
1: yeah was that to the wire yeah yeah it was close because my contract had just expired very recently it was like god like a week and a half maybe before or, or i think so it was it was very very quick so i couldn't even really talk to tony uh, until then, yeah,
0: no tampering, exactly. rules or all that sort of stuff. So yeah. that's
1: why the decision happened, you know, so last minute because your
0: contract ended and then the paper was right after ex- that. Yeah. Right,
1: right, exactly. So I, I couldn't have a discussion if I wanted to. Yeah. Um. So to have that discussion with him and then make the decision and just think that a few days later or whatever I would be all out was pretty cool. It all happened so fast, so so fast.
0: How did you break it to WWE that you weren't coming back, and who did you tell? Like,
1: yeah, so I told I told Hunter and Sean, um, and both of them could not have been more supportive. Like It, it, it was awesome. Um, especially, I had a really, really long conversation with with Sean, and, and of course, he wishes that there could be a world where me and him could still see each other a lot and, and talk and, and work together and stuff, but he, he wants me to be as happy as possible, be as successful as possible, and he could tell how excited I was to come here and I had his support 100%. And, and then Hunter again could, could not have been uh, cooler, more understanding, appreciative of the four years that we've we've worked together. So I'm, I'm lucky the relationship I formed with those guys. Was
0: Hunter, I mean obviously this is probably a rhetorical question but was he pushing to get you into the main roster? I believe so. Yeah,
1: uh, Because we never really had a discussion of if he was saying you know, yeah I'm doing everything in my power to get you to, to Raw and SmackDown he was very supportive of me and in a lot of ways, protective of me. Mm-hmm. Like he, he really believed in what I brought to the table, both in the ring and on the mic. And, it, and then he, um, he really was happy with kind of the vibe that I gave in the locker room. I'm an annoyingly optimistic, positive person, but it, that's important for, you sure know, locker is. rooms to have a, a couple of them. So, um, a couple yeah, of them. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he, he was, um, he was always someone that just really believed in me so whether that be at nxt or or raw or smackdown um he, he was with me all the way
0: well i would assume that he, he feels uh protective of you as well because you did such a great job like right. you're one of his core guys uh that that brought nxt to its to its heights yeah
1: yeah and and really through and through believed uh, in my time there that we were going to do everything in our power to make nxt as as big as possible he knew how much I loved the brand and what the brand stood for, and he saw how passionate I was, and I know how passionate he is. So, yeah, he was great.
0: Must be frustrating for him to see, and of course, he's 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 a, he's a company guy, but it must be yeah. kind of in the back of his mind, frustrating to kind of see the NXT 2.0 and knowing what it was and now what it is, and I just feel that he's like oh. he, maybe he's totally into it, but
1: right, I, I'd be curious as well to yeah. kind of see how he felt, but yeah. because I know through and through, God. He would eat, sleep, and breathe NXT. He he loved NXT. He created it. He did. He did.
0: You know? He, yeah. He took it from Florida Championship, whatever it was called down there, to to the whole modern day PC and everything included in it. You know?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting these next these next uh, couple months to kind of see how everything unfolds and how everything goes down there for sure.
0: Who are you uh, looking to work with in AEW now? I mean the possibilities are endless i was saying right. earlier to somebody that there's literally now with you three guys coming in you could take the top 15 or 20 guys and we all have 20 main event matches that we could do so there's like 400 main events that we can have over it's the crazy next three or four years just right off the bat exactly exactly so as, as far as the younger guys go
1: guys like jungle boy mjf darby allen um, you know, you've said it. Others have said it. They're just the future of wrestling. They're doing just mm. such a tremendous job. Um, and then as far as you know, everyone else, not just saying this because you're sitting here, uh-huh. but you absolutely are someone that I really, really hope when I get to work with someday. Yeah. Um. Again, I don't know if if people know this, but uh, the Adam Cole Bebe is very much influenced by by Chris Jericho. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, really? When when you. When you used to stand on someone and go, come on, baby, (laughs) I was like, oh, that's great. And and then the other person who was involved was uh, Joey Matthews or Joey Mercury is I saw him at an independent show. And and at one point he was just walking around and he would throw his fists in the air and he would go, Joey Matthews, Joey Matthews. And I was like, that's so smart for anyone who's like not really a wrestling fan. The one name they're going to remember is Joey Joey Matthews. Matthews. So I kind of combined the two, but, um, yeah, just, um, again, you've influenced so many different careers and now the the chance of getting to step in there with you would be really cool. CM Punk is another one who really, really influenced me. He kind of helped me discover independent wrestling and, and he was such a great interview and stuff like that. I'd love to work with Brian again. Like you had said, there are so many different choices I couldn't name them
0: all. It's so ridiculous, like the the, 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 the uh, embarrassment of riches that we have. Right. <laughs> and it, it really is because at first, too, when, when the punk comes in and then it was only a few weeks later that you come in and Brian comes in the same night. And I was almost like, is that too much at once? But then I realized Tony's mindset is like, we're throwing everything out there. Like, yeah. this is we are momentum, 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 momentum. Why wait? You know?
1: Yeah. It, it, it's so funny that you say that because when it was talked about with me and Brian debuting in the same night, um, I could understand why someone would be like, oh, is one debut going to step on the other debut? Which I didn't feel that way at all. Again, for the sake of the show, People are talking about that as the greatest or one of the greatest wrestling pay-per-views of all time. The card yeah. top to bottom with those crazy surprises.
0: With the finish of you two guys coming out. And yeah. the thing is, and I think I've said this before, but the, the original plan in Rochester, March 18th, 2020, because it was going to be, uh, we did Salt Lake City, then it was going to be Rochester, then the next week was going to be the Blood and Guts in Prudential where we were last week where you made your debut. Yeah, oh, nice. And we were going to do a double uh a double introduction that night in rochester because it was everyone thought that matt hardy was the leader of the dark order and we were going to introduce brody as the leader first then later on at the end of the night matt hardy was going to come out to join the elite because nick jackson had to because he had a new baby yeah so we were going to have brody come out it's like oh my gosh and then matt come out later oh my gosh the greatest night so we never got to do that because of Uh, the way things with the lockdown and stuff so it was good to do the double at uh, at the pay-per-view
1: absolutely yeah the uh again j- getting to be involved in something like that was so cool with the again because you could feel in the building that night they fortunately they were excited i was there and then as it was finishing they're like no way someone else is gonna yeah. come out, right but but what if someone does yeah. what if someone yeah. does and then when it happened it was just oh what a night what one a last night.
0: thing about the come on baby that came from a guy called fuyuki who was uh, the leader of the fuyuki goon which was the evil heel team that was me, Jato, Gato, and Fuyuki. Yeah. So I've known Gato and Jato and Gato for 27 years at this point, uh, and tw- 28 years. Oh my gosh. And he used to do that Fuyuki and he would put his foot on the guy's chest and he'd do like a, the crab muscle pose yeah. and yell something in Japanese. So when I finished up, in japan and came to the states i did that but i had nothing in japanese to say so i would just go come on baby yeah and then it was like come on baby so there you go (laughs) there it is (laughs) i didn't know that yeah yeah huge huge influence huge influence (laughs) so last question for you what is your favorite match that you ever had Mm. or one or one that stands out or a few that stand out yeah Yeah, well
1: i act i actually i think my favorite one does involve kyle o'reilly And it was in 2012. It was in the Hammerstein Ballroom. Mm. And why this... Ring of Honor? Yeah, yeah, for Ring of Honor. And and why this one was so special is we had just been there for a few years at this point, maybe two years. And we weren't really established yet. Like, people respected us, but we weren't over by any means. Uh, And we were in a thing called a hybrid fighting rules match, which was Mm. like this strange MMA-influenced match That the New York fans were just not ready to like. (laughs) They did not want to like it. They were being patient with us um, because they did respect us. But again, we weren't over by any means. And they were not into this thing. Sitting on their hands, kind of sarcastically yelling. This is on eye pay-per-view. So me and Kyle are destroyed. And Kyle accidentally punches me in the lip where I could have completely separated my lip where you could see through to my tooth. So much blood everywhere. And then the crowd started standing up. Oh wow! And looking at it. And then there was a point where we ended up changing the whole finishing sequence of the match to more like uh, accentuate the blood. You changed it on the fly? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and there was a point where, you know, I think Kyle had hit me with something, and he was walking over to get me, and I sat up and I screamed, uh, and blood squirted from my mouth onto his chest. Oh! And Kyle's looking all shocked, and the and the crowd was just so into it, and and that. That match changed my career within Ring of Honor because at that point they finally accept. I, before I was just the pretty boy, right. who was you know a little bit athletic and and yeah. that was that. But when that happened, I had like an edge to me, uh, and again it, it changed my entire career and, and Kyle's too. So I, I think that one is my favorite because they didn't want to like it. Yeah, like I, I love the idea that they were like eh, whatever, and then the last you know eight minutes of that match they were. Oh man, this is the best
0: match on the show. So See, that's great too because you had to adapt to what happened. Right. Which is what wrestling's all about. And that's kind of what we're talking about. Like you don't have to worry about well, we called this whole match and here's what the producer told the cameraman, like fuck all that. Now yeah. there's some blood involved. Let's change the match completely. And get this thing over. And yeah. that I can see that being like why you would really appreciate that.
1: Yeah. And and again, you know, being so close with Kyle and, and us sharing that together was so cool.
0: And uh, really,
1: because I hadn't been wrestling, I'd been wrestling maybe four or five years at that point. So it is scary at that point to be able to go, okay, we have to adapt and we have to. Are we but, allowed to do this? Oh, right, yeah. right. But the cool thing was, is because I was bleeding so much, I almost had that no, I don't care. We're changing it. It was like that. We're going to make it happen no matter what because I was in such a different state from, from all the blood. But yeah, that one will always be really special to
0: me. Well, when the uh, elite turns on you, which I'm sure they will at some oh. point, those rap bastards, you never know. There may be uh a reunion at some point it'd be good to have some of those guys come over here too and,
1: Oh it'd, again. Be, it'd be great to have them yeah. here but, but make an even bigger elite I like that oh, idea. even better
0: yeah. <laughs> well it's great to have you here too man congratulations and uh, I'm excited to see what, what you do here in AEW it's been awesome so far
1: thanks Chris I'm stoked to be here too I appreciate it